Welcome to Limitless, the blind beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. This podcast is being brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Limitless was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community, in order to show the world that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the executive director and founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. Today, we're talking about schools for the blind, which is um, going to be really interesting because I did not attend a school for the blind. And my co-host today is Clement, who also did not attend a school for the blind. Welcome, Clement. Hi. Yeah, this is going to be very interesting for me, too, um, just because I know that, you know, we haven't had a school for the blind. Well, not I know my experience has been we haven't had a school for the blind in Vancouver since um, I was growing up. And um, I know W. Ross is kind of the only one we have in Canada. And that's always something that kind of surprises people. Um, so I'm looking forward to hearing more about this because I don't get a lot of chance to really kind of dig in uh, and talk to somebody who's actually been to a school for the blind and talk about it kind of in depth. So this will be really fun. Yes, my understanding is the School for the Blind in Vancouver closed in 1980, um, 1979, 1980, which was exactly when I started school, like kindergarten. So everyone can figure out my age now. So <laughs> we have a guest today, uh, Lily, who went to a School for the Blind. Welcome, Lily. Hi, Sean. Hi, Clement. So happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So, so great to have you. Um, maybe you can start by introducing, like, tell us a little bit about your vision and um, and the school that you went to. Sure. So I was um, born with a eye condition called optic nerve hypoplasia, um, and I am totally blind. So I was totally blind since birth. So I don't have any light perception, uh, no shadows, no colors, uh, nothing, basically. I, since I was born blind, I went to the School for the Blind at W. Ross in Ontario um, from grade one to four, and then uh, from grade nine to 12, basically. Oh, awesome. So there was a few wow, years so in between that you didn't. Cool. All right. That, that's yeah, I was, I was homeschooled though, so I've never actually been in a public school, so... Okay. That was a whole different experience. That's also, that's also an interesting experience to hear about, mm -hmm. too. So, I mean, I mentioned that the School for the Blind in Vancouver closed when I started kindergarten. So I was kind of the first wave of visually impaired kids in BC being integrated into the school system. I'm sure there, I know there were people, kids with visual impairments that went to regular school before I went to school, but there was the option of the School for the Blind. So, um, and Clement, you're just a little younger than me. Just a little. Just. <laughs> so you also just went through the regular system, right? Yeah. Um, I think my, my parents kind of thought about it. Um, you know, they, they thought about sending me. I remember my, we, there were talks about sending me to the school in Ontario and um, all the way back to Taiwan. Uh, but I... <laughs> I, I'm I'm thankful that didn't happen, but <laughs> um, so yeah, they decided just for convenience's sake because my family was all here, my sister and my cousins all went to the same school, so 
we kind of, you know, they just said might as well do the same thing. Um, and of course, you know, we, we had people who really encouraged the idea from a few different angles as well. So yeah, mm -hmm. I've, I've also, I went to, uh, mainstream schooling from the very beginning. So Lily in Ontario, do, do parents have the choice of, of putting their kids into mainstream schools or, or the school for the blind? They do. Um, and uh, depending on how close they live to the school, most par parents, um, because Ontario's, um, everyone probably knows quite a large mm -hmm. province. Mm -hmm. So parents who have their kids, say, living in like Ottawa or, mm -hmm. I don't know, Toronto, which is further away from the school, more parents tend to choose to put their kids through mainstream school. Whereas mm -hmm. if they live like 20 minutes away, it's just sort of a no brainer to send them to W Ross. And did you live, so you live close to the school? I lived close, but, um, we actually moved, um, closer because, um, we wanted to find a place that was halfway between my dad's work and, uh, the school. So that's how we ended up in a small town. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I, I have some friends that went to W Ross McDonald and they, their family lived really far away. So they lived at the school. Did you go home at the end of each day or were you there overnight? Um, just because we were 20 minutes away, I went home at the end of each day. Um, yeah, I would say probably more than half of the students didn't though. And, um, they would stay during the week and then go home on the weekends. Right. So, um, have you talked to your parents about why they wanted, why they chose the school for the blind over mainstream school? Yeah, I have, um, it was basically just, um, they wanted me to have a lot of the support that they have because, um, the support that W Ross offers is very, um, like you're not going to get the same level of support in a mainstream school. Like they have a whole department in house that does orientation and mobility, a whole department that does independent living skills. So it's like a whole different. And then also the teachers have the specialized experience. They know how to teach students who are blind. So I think that's the main reason why they chose W Ross for me. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, that, that would be a big thing because I know that, you know, and Sean and I, you've had experience with this too, is that if you're not in an environment like that, the, the support can be, you know, kind of depending on your district, at least here in BC, it can be really good, you know, or it can be, uh, <laughs> something else. How are you going to finish I, that sentence? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyone, it can yeah. be, it can be really good. Yeah. You know, I mean, it can be either, you know, at, yeah, really kind of firmly established, or it can be, a, you know, a district where the support kind of needs a little bit more work, right? Yeah, exactly. See, that, yeah. that, was, a, that was as diplomatic as I could get. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I my I do have an experience of, of being at a school for the blind, not as a student, but I actually worked at, at a school for the blind in England. Um, and one thing that really surprised me, and I'm curious if this is the case at W. Ross McDonald, is that the kids did not use their white canes during the day at school. And it's funny because when I went to the school, I was kind of in the, that stage in my life where 
I wasn't really comfortable using my cane still. And mm. I thought, oh, I'm going to a school for the blind. Like I'm totally going to get over this. Like I'm going to be using my cane all the time because mm. I'm going to be with all these other people using their canes and it won't be a thing. And then I got there and they're like, no, no, don't bring your cane. Wow. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's really so interesting. That's, di that's different. Okay. So it's not, that's not how it was in Ontario. No, no, it was, uh, white canes. Um, some people have service, service dogs, like whatever mobility. That's, that's so strange to me that they wouldn't, but I guess, um, they must've had a reason for. Oh, they did. So their reason they, everybody had to walk on the right side of the hall all the time. And so if you're always on the right side, then you would never be in oncoming traffic. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. their, their thing was if people were using their canes, they'd be tripping everybody was what they said. Yeah, that um, we had the same rule as um, everybody on the right side, walk on the right side of the hallway. And, uh, you know, that's a valid point. I think some people were tripped by canes, especially um, like people who are slow walking behind faster walkers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. So. Yeah. Yeah, that one really surprised me. That that does seem surprising because you'd think that one of the first things they would teach you is how to, you know, use your cane in a way that at least, you know, as much as is possible doesn't trip people up because mm -hmm. sometimes you know, that's that's not something that happens just with blind people. I mean, sighted people trip all the time. It's not like it's a blind yeah. thing. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think um, it, I mean, it didn't happen all the time. It was probably a combination of like sloppy cane use and maybe just um, when there was a lot of traffic in the halls too. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they still had mobility. Like they, they did have mobility lessons where they were obviously allowed to use their canes, but right. <laughs> maybe if anybody from the school in England is listening, maybe it's different now. I don't know, but that's how it was when I was there. And that was, uh -huh. you know, quite a few years ago now. So just a few years, like 2000, 2001 is when I was there. Okay. So how many kids were in your grade roughly? Um, in my grade, probably between 15 and 20 but they would usually have us in two separate classes because the they wanted the class sizes to be quite small so mm -hmm. a class would be depending on how many people wanted to take the course it'd be five to ten people wow so what, yeah I, I'm, I'm curious about something kind of as a follow-up to that like what was the ratio of instructors to one or instructors to students like was it a situation was it smaller so you could have more instructors between all the students uh, you know, or like one instructor and a few students, or was it a case where it was just one teacher and then all of you in one class? Yeah, well, and, and it depended on the area of the school. Um, definitely smaller than in um, mainstream school. Mm -hmm. um, so in elementary, when kids were a little more, um, needed a little more extra support, it would almost be like a one to two ratio or one to three. Oh, wow. But okay. then when you got into high school, um, it would usually be just one teacher with a class of okay. sometimes 10 students. Okay. Okay. So like when I was in taking, you know, in school, in social studies, I remember having to color a lot of maps, which was like really not fun being visually impaired. I'm just yeah. curious, like yeah. some of those things must have not been part of your world to like color the map of the world and label yeah. it over like and what, over and over. What would have been, what would have been the alternative if there was one? I'm curious. How did you learn geography? Yeah. 
Um, a lot of like tactile diagrams, um, tactile, a lot of tactile globes, um, people getting creative and building maps out of Lego and, uh, like, um, blocks and things like that. So, um, yeah, it was just, you know, it was just not an area that they did a ton of, I guess, because maybe, um, it's not like something you would use all the time necessarily depending on your job i mean it isn't good to know how to map out your space and stuff it's just a lot of like tactile mm. even like taking um a piece of oh i don't even know what those like bristol board and putting like dots on it like just depending on what's what the student liked and what felt best to them did they did they ever have you doing things like labeling a certain place or was it kind of more like the input side where you would look at a tactile map and memorize it? Or were there other things where they would say, okay, so here's a tactile map that's not filled out. What part of the world is over here or over there? Did they ever do anything like that? Yeah, for, for geography, it was mostly just input. Like here's a tactile map. This is, this is what the world looks like. Um, mm, okay. A lot of the times where you had to label or like fill in your own map was um, when you were doing orientation and mobility or O&M um, and just like if you're trying to say you're trying to learn the bus routes you can go to yourself or something right. like okay where's the bus stop where's the um, I don't know where's the Tim's okay um, another subject I'm really interested in is PE which I feel like would be one of the huge benefits yes. of going to a school for the blind yes <laughs> because yes. gym <laughs> class sure when you're the only blind kid yep. is um interesting basketball volleyball yeah. badminton guessing you didn't have to play any of those at the school yeah. for the blind no definitely not i don't even i'm really curious to see how how you guys manage that act being the one person in <laughs> well, your class that... well I, I was gonna say pe classes either didn't happen at all uh, which was my experience uh or you have some luckier kids who kind of get to do something off to the side as the rest of the kids were playing basketball. Um, okay. I did. I did have one year when my PE teacher was a little bit more forceful in making sure I did stuff. So I I did learn how to dribble. Um, while everybody actually played the games and shot hoops and stuff, I learned to dribble. So that was cool. But yeah, that's for the, the most thing. part. It didn't. For the most part, it definitely didn't happen a whole lot. We learn the skill part, which yeah. is the boring part. Yes. that everybody kind of has to get through to do the fun part, which is playing yes. the game, except yeah. when it comes to playing the game, it's usually yeah. deemed not safe. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. we're sitting on the sidelines or in the weight room or doing yeah. something else. Yeah. So not super fun. I was actually in an adapted PE class in high school, but they still played all those games mm -hmm. and they would try using a, a large, like a beach ball for volleyball. Yeah. Yeah. I still couldn't see it. It just yeah. didn't hit hurt as much when I got hit in the head. <laughs> so what yeah, was gym class? Soft, right? Yeah, exactly. What was gym class like for you, Lily? Um, it's definitely not that experience. Um, did uh, goalball was a big unit in uh, yes, yes, our gym was. class I because goalball's the yeah. goalball's goalball's the one like super accessible um sport. I mean, there's probably others as well, but I'm, I'm not a sports person anyway. Um, and then uh, we had actually a indoor pool 
part of gym class was um, sometimes you go in the pool and, and do laps and uh, like improve your swimming, um, mm-hmm. do some do some playing around in the water with a ball, do different teams. Uh, I think one year we did basketball and then um, just used a ball with a bell in it and just sort of played kind of slow motion. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 really cool. Uh, so it's, it's funny you mentioned goalball because uh, I play goalball. Um, and I I remember when I went to W Ross McDonald for the first time for a tournament, and they said they kept the court year round, and I yes. was like, I would go to a school for the blind just for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but that's that that's cool, cool about swimming and you know the other things that because I I think again it's it's it was kind of like an halfway or nothing for for me and i don't know sean you could speak to this too but it was often like i said earlier either didn't happen or you kind of do part of it so like in swimming we probably would have done laps but we wouldn't have been allowed to actually do any of the quote-unquote more game type of things yeah no i wouldn't want a ball to hit you in the face or anything right Mm -hmm. so when when you were in high school did you, were there any subjects that you took outside of the school for the blind? No, um, I did, I did work experience and stuff like that, but I, um, I just really liked it there. So I didn't really want to leave, to be honest. Can you talk about the, what was the ILS program, independent living skills instruction like? Um, I would say it was fairly good they're probably the best ILS program that I've had experience with um and it's sort of a combination of um doing a little bit of in class or during the day instruction sometimes students get um maybe an hour a week and then you can cook something or clean but then also some of that is reinforced a lot of it is being reinforced um for the students who stay overnight Mm -hmm. um part of the residents uh the staff's job is to help them like reinforce their life skills training and some of them teach them new skills as well. So um, you're sort of learning the stuff during the day. And then when you're in the units um, living space, you're sort of reinforcing it, which is nice. Cause sometimes you go home, at least what I've found is like you do life skills and then you go home and your family's like, I don't know, is this really safe for you to do this or uh, do something? And it's, it's hard to like, um, get them to it's it, your family's more less likely to want to do hand over hand with you yeah mm-hmm. sure so it's kind of it's great to have that kind of almost required part of reinforcement where it's not like it's it's not really optional especially if you live there you know you kind of get pushed to do it a little bit like it pushed it pushed in a good way right As yeah no to, it's definitely if you, if you learn like for a lot of us uh here um i learned life skills and stuff um, during the day, but then going home to an environment where people weren't so keen to let me do it, um, they took a lot longer to develop than I guess for someone who, if they were living there at the time, they could learn something during the day and then they'd get a chance to apply it in the evening at res. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. So when you left high school, could you cook and clean and like, do you feel like you could live independently? Yeah, I, I do that now, actually. I'm, uh, 
I live, I still live with um, some other people, but I'm usually the, I'm the kind of the designated cleaner at our house. So built up my confidence a lot to have that um, ILS support. I'm curious, this is kind of an on the spot question, but I, I'm, I'm curious, you said you went from grade one to four and then from nine to 12. So what, what was it like kind of transitioning between the school for the blind and homeschooling and back? Because homeschooling is, you know, that, that's a whole, like you said earlier, that's a whole other experience even compared to mainstream schooling. So what, what what was the process of that like? The process of transitioning to homeschooling was um, quite fast. I don't really remember it. It was, um, I just was um, sick for a couple of weeks and then I was like, oh, it's uh, actually now that I'm thinking about it, um, I, I think I'd actually like to keep her home. And it, all of a sudden I was not a student at Debbie Ross anymore. Um, and that was, that was nice, but I didn't have a lot of like friends. So, mm -hmm. um, I was, it was nice going back to school. I actually, um, there was a, actually a waiting list when I tried to go back for, for high school, I tried to go back for grade eight and they were like, Oh, you have to, you have to go on the waiting list. We're so full. I think they were close to capacity at that point. What about learn, like learning wise? Um, was it harder? Was it easier? I felt like it was easy enough both ways just because, um, not to brag or anything, but I've always been like a good student. So um, either way, I just sort of picked things up. I think um, it was it was different in that like I was the only student, so I couldn't I would couldn't really compare myself to other mm -hmm. like if I was if I was doing better than other people, I almost felt like I was getting slowed down or in certain subjects where I struggled, I almost felt bad. So there wasn't really you couldn't really compare yourself to people when you're in a class of one. I'm always jealous when someone says they're a good student because I really wouldn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, so like in terms of getting like, accessible materials and stuff, like was that still not an issue? Like was that still? Uh, no, that wasn't that much of an issue just because my uh, my parents sort of had connections from um, W. Ross McDonald. So oh, um, okay. the re the, um, they actually have like a vision resource center Okay. in their basement and they would send out materials to um, schools all across Ontario. Um, so they would send out um, some materials to us um, if my mom ordered like math textbooks or mm -hmm. um, different textbooks. And then, uh, and then a lot of it was too, because um, my, my mom actually was really proactive and she learned Braille and she was the one who taught me. So ah, she could mark okay. my work. And then because it was, a, I was the only student, she, it was easy for her to, if she couldn't find something in an accessible format, she would just read the lesson out okay. kind of thing. Okay. That's really cool. I did not know they had, they were a distribution center for accessible materials. That's really cool. I'm glad I asked. Recently on the podcast, we were talking about the experience of connecting with others who are visually impaired. I'm so curious like the experience of somebody who gets to be with people who are visually impaired every single day. Like, can you talk about how that was for you? So for me, it just, um, because I came when I went, when I was six, it was my first like experience at a school. So it just sort of felt like normal to be around a bunch of people using white canes and, uh, like saying, who is this when they bump into somebody in the hallway and everybody walking on the right side of the hall and, and like all relating to all the like, blind person problems mm -hmm. so that was so like normalized for me because it was my only school experience that every time I went to um 
like a family dinner or um, to like my grandma's church or something and like was expected to play with like all the sighted kids. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. It was just mm. kind of a shock. Like what these kids, these kids are running all over and they're playing around uh, me and yeah. they're, I don't know if they're talking to me or if they're talking to somebody else. It was just, uh-huh. and, and they're grabbing my shoulder to guide me. And at that point I didn't have like the skills to, um explain yeah so it was it was I, I mean it's probably the other way around for you guys right like with it's almost like you don't know what to do when there's yeah five blind people yeah if i can well actually I, I wouldn't say that but kind of if i could speak to this really quickly it, it was yeah. kind of the opposite so at the beginning yeah that was exactly how i felt going to school it was like every recess everybody was like whoa and i was like okay <laughs> uh what do i do um until my teacher very kindly and sternly pushed me out the door and said, go play with them. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, but go, so, and, and it was stressful, but then it, it went the other way. So it was really, it was a relief when I grew up to go to camp for the first time with other blind kids um, and not feel awkward. So I don't know if, so yeah, mm-hmm. I would say it was definitely the other round. I don't know, Sean, if you want to add. Oh anything. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like, was comforting to finally be yeah. with people who are visually impaired because you didn't have to try to compete with the cited standard of socializing, I guess. That's really interesting. So when, when you had that, those few years where you weren't at the school, did you still connect with friends or like, you know, you you weren't immersed in being around blind people all the time. Like, did how was that? Um, yeah, I just um, I did a lot of more events in my community. Like, I joined a cooking club and a pottery club, and just things to get me out of the house. And uh, um, just it was hard. It's hard to keep in. It's harder to keep in touch. Um, like, unless you're really good friends. Um, like, I only really kept in touch with one person from the school. So a lot of my friends I, I they were more acquaintances that were were sighted kids at, from mm-hmm. when I was homeschooled what do you think are the advantages of going to a school for the blind and maybe it's hard to know if you haven't if you can't compare it to like what it would be like to go to a regular school or a typical school but what do you think what did you love about it the most I guess is a good way to ask yeah sure um I would say the biggest advantage was just the amount of options out there. Um, um, there were, there were a lot of options for what kind of sports you could do. Um, our wrestling, we had wrestling teams and they would compete with like fully sighted wrestlers, which was really cool. And, uh, there was like, um, indoor and outdoor track. There was the pool. There was like so many different um, huge gym, a bunch of equipment. So lots of like athletic stuff to do if that was mm-hmm. what you were into mm-hmm. or, um, they had, uh, like multiple pianos and, uh, they would do shows every year for the community and, and, uh, invite the community to go. And they would, they'd actually teach students multiple instruments. So if you were into music, that, that there was lots for you to do. And if you were into radio broadcasting or like communications and stuff, they, there was a whole studio you could use. It was just really cool. The amount of equipment that was there. And then Mm -hmm. also the amount of like time one-on-one time you had with staff to like, sort of like they wanted you to be independent, but it was really nice when you're just trying something new um, to like have a little bit of extra support. Mm -hmm. 
So what? What were it's not? None you've listed all those things. What were you most into <laughs> when you were there? Probably um, music. I actually took piano until like grade seven, and uh, and also uh, broadcasting. Like I used to. We actually had an audio only yearbook, which was kind of fun. Oh, that's really cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then the last couple of years, it's been more like multimedia. There's been some photos mm-hmm. and stuff in it. But um, like I used to help produce that. and uh, That's super cool. Produce the announcements and stuff. So when I worked at the School for the Blind, they had a recording studio right in the school where they created their own music and, and made a couple of CDs while I was there. And they put on a school play. And like, I remember thinking, you know, you get to be the star in the school play where if you're the only blind student in a school, you're probably not. Maybe, maybe, but like the, no chan- the chance is there, but it's definitely, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I know, I know people who have done that, but you're right, Sean, it's very, it's definitely much less likely of a possibility mm-hmm. for sure. Totally. Uh, but not, you know what? I mean, I, I also, I also love music and broadcasting, so a recording studio at my school that I had access to would have been like a dream. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. I could see. Can you explain what an audio only yearbook is? Cause that yeah, sounds I'm, so cool. That, that sounds fascinating. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. Yeah, it was. Um, so during the year um, they would hand out, um, you could sign up for the committee and they would hand out these little like pocket sized um, recorders or you could record on your phone. Um, and you would just go to different events, like when they had school dances or um, like swim meets or things like that. And um, instead of getting pictures, you would, um, a lot of students would just record audio from the event. They would interview um, staff or students at the event. Um, like you'd be like, oh, 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 Dave, how are you? How are you? meet and we're all pumped up and and get the crowd going and stuff was really fun and then at the end of the year um um people like uh, me and the other some other students would edit it all and uh, pick the best bits and put it on um first it was a cassette tape and then it was a Ooh, cd and then yeah i remember those <laughs> yeah those things because at one point they were they existed yeah well, they do exist now but yeah first it was a cassette tape then it was a cd and now on a usb stick so you can you can listen back to it um and remember all the good times that's okay cool Uh, i think we i think we found a new project sean that we well (laughs) maybe but it, it reminds me of what i what we my friends and i used to do when we went to camp yeah. was everybody had their own little digital recorder tape whatever tape recorder, tape recorder back in those days yeah and i still have some cassette tapes recordings of and we would just put it on record while we were hanging out yep and and that was the way it was like we're not taking pictures we're yeah. just recording the audio and you could listen back later yeah. in the year when you were missing your friends and hear their voices and yeah. laugh at the jokes that you know yeah I remember and, doing that too. And yeah. it's definitely, yeah, I mean, like for us, it, it basically is an auto audio photo album, right? Because mm-hmm. it was either, you know, you might record the whole, just the whole hangout, or you might be more deliberate and kind of capture certain things that you only, that you really wanted. Mm-hmm. But that's definitely, yeah, it's a cool way to keep memories for sure. I love um, that. And I know I that sometimes, that. you know, you listen back and you go, I can't believe I said that. Oh, and, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, luckily if you're, um, I mean, it's it's different if you're recording the whole hangout. If you're if you get to be the editor of the yearbook, you can uh, you can sort of 
itself look better. I used to like cut out all the parts where I would cringe and uh, just <laughs> try and, try and cut around myself as much as possible. Like yeah, I wasn't right. here. Right. <laughs> so when you left school, did you feel a little like culture shock going into the real, the real world, as we say, <laughs> like, what was, I don't know. Do you like, do you, I, I sometimes think of like, it just sounds like it would just be so much easier to go to a school for the blind. You'd have all every, everything would be accommodated and mm-hmm. you know, every, like everybody would understand the challenges that you face and, and whatever you needed would sort of be thought of and considered. And then you graduate and now you're in the world where that's not necessarily the case most of the time like mm-hmm. how did how does that how did that go for you or how is that going for you yeah no that's a you're totally right about um about the school and everything's sort of accommodated to like how it best fits you and in the in the real world <laughs> as we're gonna call it um you're you're the one who has to accommodate all the um or not not accommodate but it's 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 not the same. It's yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's a, it's definitely a tough transition, which is actually why I ended up, um, I say I left in grade 12, but I actually stayed for three extra years. Cause I didn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. I was just enjoyed it so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, um, yeah, it's been, it's been challenging. Um, really the most, just really now that I've started actually working on, like I work at a store and uh, I'm the only blind person that's, I think ever worked for that store. So um, it's a whole different, now I'm just sort of getting to experience that. And uh, it's, uh, it's a challenge, but it's also like very rewarding in a way, I guess, because um, it just makes like, just get to get to get to meet people like I've been meeting all these blind people and yeah we're all different but it's a whole different experience to be to have vision so um it's really nice to get people to meet people with a different perspective Mm -hmm. and I also like think of it as like the more I advocate for myself and what I need and the more almost like I don't want to say educate but that's sort of what you have to do almost of course the more course. i do the more i do that then the easier it'll be for like say somebody else who's blind wants to work at that store um and and maybe they, they have different needs and, and different vision but at least they know like sort of how to mm-hmm. handle things a little bit more, more what to expect mm-hmm. yeah I feel like that must be hard. It's just interesting when you're saying like meeting new people with a different perspective, sighted people, because your, your default is being around people who are blind. So whereas for us, for us, we are the different people. Yeah, Yeah, but yeah, exactly. I was going to say by default where I see myself as different. So yeah, it's it's, it's kind of, it's interesting though, to hear kind of that in reverse, I think. Mm-hmm. so that's that's really helpful yeah yes. no for sure I, it's interesting to hear hear what you guys are saying too because you yeah it is like reverse like you were the only blind both of you were probably the only blind kid in your class or maybe even your grade and and you're school. like the yeah you're like the one yes. that yes. sees yeah, things from a different perspective <laughs> totally mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I think when you go to a, a typical public school 
you're, you're sort of, by the time you graduate, you're so used to like things, not necessarily like having to problem solve a situation so that Mm -hmm. it can work for you Mm -hmm. or having to educate people about what your needs are that you just sort of move naturally to the next phase of your life where that's the situation. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think that would be a really big adjustment to, to leave a school for the blind and be like, what, what do you mean? There's no braille for me here. Or (laughs) (laughs) did you guys go on field trips and what were those like? Yeah, we went on, uh, we went on some field trips. Um, just, uh, a lot of field trips and, um, around like Brantford or the community. Um, and it was, it was kind of fun. Um, definitely more staff than uh, usual. You're, um, even for high school, your normal staff ratio is like one to eight or one to 10 on field trips. It'd be one to three or one to four because lots of people needed a sighted guide. That's mm-hmm. how they did. Um, a lot of students preferred in like areas where they didn't know um, to do mm-hmm. sighted guide with another staff member. And uh, it was really nice. Um, like depending on where you went, if there was a lot of stuff to feel. Um, a lot of times the um, school would have a conversation with the, I don't know, the museum or wherever you were going beforehand. And um, you didn't even really have to ask. Um, they would just sort of like, oh, who wants to who wants to touch this cool statue or whatever? It was mm-hmm. just sort of expected that you'd want to explore stuff with your hands, which is kind of cool. That, that is cool. Do you have a memorable, like do you have a most memorable field trip? Yeah, I would say um, I went, I used to be part of uh, the senior choir and we went to um, New York City Ooh. for a weekend. Yes. And cool. uh, it was just, it was just so cool getting to walk through like central, actually being in Central Park. Uh-huh. And uh, um, we went to um, a couple of musicals of and uh, we got to meet um, kids from an American school for the blind, which mm-hmm. was kind of fun because um I'd only met W. Ross um, blind kids, so it was like blind kids with accents. <laughs> it was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, but it was also it was also um, kind of awesome. my first experience like with being. We weren't alone, but mm-hmm. um, we were staying in a hostel, so it'd be like five five girls to a room, and the staff would be off on their own little area. So if somebody dropped a, I don't know, um, a quarter on the floor there'd be five blind people scrabbling around on the floor searching I'll trying for to find it, it. yeah mm-hmm. that's awesome wow field trip to new york i mean i guess yeah when i was in high school we went to disneyland our yeah. our school band so oh, that sounds fun that was pretty fun too yeah. but new york new york would be awesome my choir, <laughs> my choir went to europe so i'm trying not to be too envious but oh new york yeah still be, new york would still be amazing musicals <laughs> oh my gosh yeah you, get, you gotta get into the choir you don't even have to you, you can just go on trips and uh you're not the lead singer so if you mess up it's not a big deal and uh... <laughs> so do you keep in touch you've moved to bc now your friend, like, do you keep in touch with your friends from Ontario? Do you, do you feel like you have a blind community around you as an adult? Um, my main blind community is in Ontario, just because, um, like we all went to school together. Um, a lot of people stayed for like years and years and years like me. Uh Uh Um, so yeah, which, um, which is not, 
it's okay because um not a lot of people are getting together anyway right now with all the covid restrictions yeah. so yeah like it's it's no real problem to get me on on facetime or skype or whatever from bc because mm-hmm. everyone's just doing it at home yeah right I think if um, if things did open up again and, and people started getting together and stuff, I might feel a little more left out. But uh, mm. yeah, as it is, it's been not that hard keeping in touch with people. I think that having uh, a network of blind friends is important when yes. you're transitioning into the sighted real world. Yep. <laughs> or, yeah, or you exactly. know what? Not not even when you're transitioning. Just when you live a lot in the sighted world, mm-hmm. it's 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 definitely. You know, for me, even for I think you and I, Sean, it's you know we spend a lot of our time around sighted people, but it's still definitely important to have that kind of backbone community of blind people who you can hang out with and kind of just not you know where all the all the kind of a lot of the social stresses like the you know the the different ones kind of just don't have to apply for a while. So mm-hmm. that's true for sure you handle when people tell you that um you're an inspiration yeah like like asking questions like oh well well somebody somebody at a store the other day told me that i'd like inspire them and and uh somebody like somebody was like oh you're uh like you you you're doing so much better than i expected and like like how Mm -hmm. do you deal with the so like bounce like talk Mm -hmm. to people about stuff like that too for sure yeah and it's great not to have to do that, right? When you can just hang out and just hang out and not have to be, you know, kind of the inspirational person in the room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I guess nobody's inspiring at the blind school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we're all, we're all just your average Joe. Just uh, <laughs> going to. That's really interesting. Yeah, there'd be yeah. nobody telling you how amazing you are, or one of the one of the best parts about being part of the community, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Lily. This has been so interesting to hear your experience. I really mm. appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you, um, Sean, and thank you, Clement, and letting me talk about the school. And I hope I hope that that. Um, I don't know if anybody lives in Ontario that listens to Limitless and they're not sure what they want to do, if they ever want to go, if that helps you make a decision, um, that would be that would be awesome. Actually, that's a good point. People from other provinces, kids from other provinces can go to W. Ross, right? They, um, I think they can. It's, uh, it's pretty rare that um, people want to do that the only person i know that was from a different area actually was um somebody um one of my friends who was actually originally from uh, the states um she actually got um dual which is kind of strange because they have so many schools in, for the blind in the states but she actually mm-hmm. got like dual citizenship so she could go oh, and wow. uh yeah like she was an adult so she could do that and stuff but she really wanted to <laughs> she really wanted to go to debbie ross so she got a uh, dual citizenship and she um stayed in in where she lived on the weekends in canada and yeah she she really wanted to go so Hmm. yeah so i guess there's a wait list and maybe priority goes to ontario kids but yeah i I do know of a couple people from other provinces who've Mm -hmm. gone there so i guess if somebody really wanted to check that out they could um but yeah most of canada kids that are blind are just going to the regular neighborhood school so exactly 
Well, thanks again for joining us. And thank you, Clement, for being my co-host today. No, it was awesome. Thanks for sharing, Lily. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast with a friend, like, subscribe, leave us a rating, and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted, along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca. And also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next time.